In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. As we fix our attention on Jesus, truly present with us in the Blessed Sacrament, we ask him to aid us and assist us with the help of the guardian angels in making a fruitful time of prayer. And our topic of conversation is the traditional theme of October. There's two months of the year that are devoted to the Blessed Mother. May, with a special focus on Mary's motherhood, October, special focus on the devotion of the rosary. Traditionally, October is devoted to Mary, but vis-a-vis the rosary. And this topic reminds me of an excursion I went on a number of years ago to, I think, Starved Rock, it doesn't matter, but probably Starved Rock, not exactly Mount Everest, not exactly London or Paris, Starved Rock. That's the best we could do then. And I was driving, and shortly into the ride, I said, okay, boys, it was a van full of teenage boys. All right, let's say the rosary. And one of the boys had a knee-jerk reaction of protest. Why do we always have to say the rosary when we go on these trips? Can't we just listen to music in peace? And I was ready to react, perhaps without in-depth theological explanations and another kid chimed in, he beat me he said to him to chill out, perhaps I I don't want to quote him literally here, told the kid, his friend, to chill out and he said but why do we need to say this the protester was saying and the other boy said because she likes it And she's asked for it. So just do it and keep quiet. And the protester stopped his protesting and we proceeded to say the rosary. And it is a a devotion that has been pushed and promoted by the Blessed Virgin herself way after she was crowned Queen of Heaven and Earth. She has made appearances, not 
lots of them, but she's made appearances, preternatural appearances, where she has specifically asked that the followers of her son would recite the rosary. Let's, in our own prayer, see if we could answer, maybe in a more theological way, this boy who says, why must we say the rosary? For perhaps you and me, the fact that she appears and asks for it is good enough. But let's prayerfully dig a little bit why she wants us to say that rosary. Briefly, let's look at Mary. We're here because of her, ultimately. I could be before the Blessed Sacrament ultimately because of her. That's why St. John Paul uh, made the institution of the Eucharist a mystery of the rosary. Because when she said yes, she brought her, the Son of God into the world, she provided, she helped provide a human nature, and that ultimately led to the Eucharist. It was Mary, ultimately, who brought into this world our divine healer. When I kneel down or sit down and go to confession, the divine healer gives me an embrace and heals me. That's because Mary brought him into the world. I could find consolation in Jesus because this mysterious woman, at least according to Genesis, brought him into, into the world. But there's, that's a very important reason to be devoted to her. But there's more cosmic reasons. And it kind of gels and jibes with this new evangelization. There's two dramatic prophecies about the Blessed Mother. The very first prophecy of Jesus includes the Blessed Mother, the book of Genesis. Our first parents made a mess of things, got banished from the Garden of Eden, brought all sorts of sicknesses into the world. The fact that you, have, you need a flu shot is because of original sin. Now bugs bite. So, you know, there's, as St. Augustine said, a monkey, he didn't say it that way. I can't imagine how we translate into, how that would be a Latin phrase, but he threw a monkey wrench into creation, uh, the devil, and sin. And so, you know, things are not the way they should be. We die, we have illnesses, we've got weaknesses, we know that we can never lift, live up to our standards, let alone the standards of the gospel. That's because of original sin. And more seriously, that original sin ushered into this world a culture of death. Violence and war, hatred, 
have been the order of the day since that happened. And as God predicted all these woes humanity would go through, he didn't throw them out until he he gave them the good news that there'd be a mysterious woman that would actually crush the head of evil. It's a mom and son combo. You know, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed, her seed being Christ. And that she, and he will strike at her heel. Another translation is his heel, alluding to the passion and alluding to the suffering of Mary witnessing her son's cross. But she would be the solution for this great presence of evil in the world. So it's interesting to note that she is revealed at the outset of the creation of man and woman as someone who is going to defeat evil. And the only person with her son, obviously, through her son, but she's part of it, that she's the one to hope for. Not to digress a little bit, but it is germane to our topic. In Mexico, before the Christian evangelization occurred, before that very spectacular apparition, in my opinion it's the greatest apparition, I'm not Mexican, but... uh, that's my opinion, but you know it's not in the catechism. So you know, you, you, if you like Lourdes, go for it. I think it's you know Fatima or Knock or you know whatever. You know, it's the same woman. Okay, maybe different garb. But these people, the indigenous population, you know, in light of the human sacrifices and the and the evils they were experiencing there their hope was in this mysterious woman who had come from the East. And it's beautiful to note that it was the indigenous population who understood that image on St. Juan Diego's tilma. And millions and millions of people came to follow Jesus Christ. We're not done yet about this cosmic stuff. Um... The Bible ends the way it begins, more elaborated. And we turn to the book of Revelation, and who appears again? The Blessed Mother. And she is revealed as queen, queen of heaven and earth. And then secondly, she is revealed as a woman in battle against the dragon. So she's fighting the dragon at the first in the first book of the Bible and then you fast forward many 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 centuries perhaps many millennia and she is there again. I read. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon was under her feet. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. All right, now it kind of switches gears. Starts off kind of encouraging. And being with child, 
and the common interpretation of this child is not only her son, but her children in the church. And being with child, child represents all of us, okay? And being with child, she cried out in her travail and was in the anguish of delivery. And another sign was seen in heaven, and behold, a great dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his heads seven diadems. And he stood before the woman, who was about to bring forth, and that when she had brought forth, he might devour her son. Common interpretation, it's not Christ only or per se, it's his followers. And there was a battle in heaven, and Michael and his angels battled with the dragon. And the dragon fought with his angels. I fast forward again. You could read this on your own, I'm not going to read everything here. We only have a half hour. And, and when the dragon saw that he was cast down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had brought forth the male child. So we see her again appearing now in an actual war. She's kind of prominent in this war. And we may ask, what is this war about? Well, it's not a war of violence. Uh, it, but it's a war that uses weaponry of love, and I take that from St. Paul. I won't read it because I don't want to be reading the whole time. Uh, chapter 6, Epistle to the Ephesians, where he says that the Christian, these are the very first ones, ordinary folk, will need to you, they're not battling against human weakness. They're battling against true forces of evil. They're battling there. And the main weapon he, he associates is prayer and the gospel, meditation on the gospel. The rosary is a meditation on the gospel. And St. Maria says that what is our work of evangelization all about? He says it is a war of love and peace. And he says that the way we drown out evil, the way we overcome evil, Christ does, we don't per se, but through us, Christ does it, is drowning out evil with an abundance of good. And he says don't be anti-anything. He's not meaning, don't state the truth. He doesn't mean that. But lead with Christ. Lead with holiness. Lead with the truth. Yes, suffering will be the order of the day, but we are in a war. And there are symptoms of tremendous evil. The tragedy in the Mideast. Mary will appear. I think her last apparition in Fatima is on the 13th of each month. At least for us, devoted to Mary, 13 is a holy number as well. That's when Mary appeared on the 13th day of 
of the month of October, and she explained, you know, this war is war, World War One, and she said this is symptomatic. It's not the original. It's not a literal translation from the original Portuguese, but this is symptomatic of an absence of my son. And then she says, pray the rosary so you could win sinners back. We're all sinners, but people alienated from God. So that's why wars are starting. And the destruction of the unborn and the destruction of the family and and the um, identity crisis. There's no objective identity crisis of marriage, but where marriage has been twisted, at least in the eyes of uh, proponents of moral relativism. Can I do something about it? Mary says we can. Can I do it on my own? Jesus says, without me you could do nothing, so no, no need to fret. What can I do about all this stuff going on? Nothing, so don't worry about it. On your own, on my own. So you, we need a, a certain kind of detachment. You know, when we read all this bad news or we hang out with our, 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 our friends who are very good people, but they're in ignorance, probably they've never formed perhaps with a Christian mindset or a Christian worldview. No, we don't fret. Can I do so? Will my right answer do the trick? Probably not. I, I don't mean to be pessimistic. Uh, and I'm not saying don't give a right answer. We, we should try to give a right answer. What works is that we try to be saints. And we win graces to bring them back. That we win graces. And that's why, why does Our Lady want that rosary set? Well, I don't know. She's, you know how moms are. They ask for things that there's no rhyme or reason. You know, sort of the explanation that that boy gave. Well, there is a rhyme or reason. She she wants that prayer said because we we in we connect with her son with her, and we may say, well, maybe our prayer isn't worthy of being accepted by God. It is because we're infinitely loved, but we may feel that way. But when our when Mary takes our prayer and brings it to her son. It has more effectiveness. And Mary, what does she want more than anything else? She wants to bring everlasting life literally to every human being. And how does, she, how does her son want this done? Through his witnesses, through his saints. And just, just so you don't think I'm exaggerating here, I'm going to read a quotation from St. John Paul, Two years before he was elected Pope, he was at a Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia in 1976. And the reason I have this quote is because the nuncio quoted these four or five lines to the American bishops at the bishops' conference probably a year ago or two years ago in Washington. And I think this is germane also to our meditation on the rosary. He says the following, we are now standing, this is 76, he's seen nothing yet, we're in 2016, we are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has ever experienced. 
I do not think that the wide circle of the American society as a whole realize this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church, between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between Christ and the anti-Christ. The confrontation lives within the plans of divine providence. And there's another line to it, I think is, and we are called to face this trial. How is this done? St. Josemaria says this, and I want to comment a little bit. The love of our mother will be the breath that kindles into a living flame the embers of virtue that are hidden under the ashes of your indifference. He says again, you, do you want to love Our Lady? Well, then get to know her how by praying her rosary well. But in the rosary, we say the same things. Always the same. And don't people in love always say the same things to each other? Might it not be that you find the rosary monotonous because instead of pronouncing words like a man or a woman, you mumble noises while your mind is very far from God? So as we meditate on this devotion, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe, I think when it comes to the rosary and, and if, and if you're not included in this rash judgment I'm going to make, you know, I, please, Forgive me, but maybe I could almost get away with everybody has ADD when it comes to the rosary. All right, well, you have fifty Hail Marys and you have to meditate on the rosary, and and sometimes the best, the only place we could do it, our schedule only will allow for a rosary in the car, a rosary in the train, or walking to work, etc. But I think there's two kinds of spiritual ADD. One type is that we're just not interested. Or there's so much routine that we're really going through the motions. The second kind is that my heart is in it, but my attention span can only go so far. She understands. But she does understand when, if we have the first kind of ADD. I recall I was very embarrassed. It was physiological. I was talking to a woman. And she was telling me something. And that's one of the advantages of the screen. That can't be seen. But I was talking to her. And I yawned. It had nothing to do with her. But I yawned, and she interrupted the conversation. She says, am I boring you? I go, no, I'm just, just tired. I think I'm boring you. You know, I, next ten minutes I had to reassure her that she wasn't boring me. I said, around this time, you're going to see me yawning. 
Now, the question I got to ask myself is, is the Blessed Mother yawning <laughs> when I'm saying the rosary? She's yawning if I'm going through the motions. She's not yawning if I'm really struggling to give her as much attention as I can. Another consideration with the rosary, I may have told this before, these are very interesting times. It's In a lot of ways, it's post-Christian. It's post-natural law, where belief in a standard of morality has been replaced by moral relativism. And what's the solution? Well, the solution is holiness through the rosary. I'm just thinking about individuals who have brought many, many, who have attracted many, many people to God. A few days ago, at least in, in centers of Opus Dei, we celebrated, we like feast days in Opus Dei. <laughs> you know. uh, and if it's a big feast day, uh, you live in a center, in a center beer or wine will be served. That, that's not the incentive, but anyway, we like feast days. <laughs> and we were celebrating uh, yesterday the canonization of St. Jose Maria. It wasn't enough that we celebrate the anniversary of Opus Dei's founding. You know, four days later, we have one another big feast. Okay, it just keeps coming. And today's a feast too. It's Our, our Lady of the Rosary. <laughs> So we're, we like feast days. Um, but, and one of the reasons why we celebrate the feast, the prelate of Opus Dei, whom we call the Father, he, he's, he's encouraged us to reflect, those of us who were actually at the canonization, I was there, to reflect on that. Why? To reminisce the great times we had in Rome and, you know, how we whooped it up, that's fine, but I don't think that's the reason, okay? I think the reason was to see how worthwhile sanctity is, and even more specifically, how powerful the rosary is. Because at his canonization, I mean, I lived in Rome. At least the restaurant I went to, they ran out of bread. That's, you know, one of the few serious sins left in Italy, you know, <laughs> to run out of bread. So they ran out of bread. And the city was packed. St. Peter's Square was just thronged with people, and that crowd stretched to the Tiber River. And all the, I had nice seats. And I was able to, every window had four or five faces coming out of that window. The roofs of all the buildings were packed with people. It was, you know, there was 500 bishops and cardinals. And people from all over the world. The Italians were way in the back. They let, you know, people from other continents uh, get as get as close as they could. And I think we were supposed to reflect on that as a, as a motive for encouragement that we can if we're holy. I mean, holiness means holiness. doesn't mean, you know, staying out of trouble. It means really following Christ, Christ closely 
And we know, notice that there's a number of modern evangelizers. Mother Teresa is another one. When I think of, you know, her, I think of those big dangling and jangling rosaries, you know, as they go about. So again, a Marian presence there. I was talking to a Capuchin, and he was kind of, uh, I guess I was, I was mentioning how many people came to St. Jose Maria's canonization, and the Capuchin, matter of fact, he was the, uh, the Capuchin was the cardinal of, I knew him before he was important, the cardinal archbishop of Boston. And, um, and he told me, well, uh, we got, we captures that got twice as many as he did. You, you did? He says, yeah, we filled St. Peter's Square and then we filled St. John Lateran because there was, there was that, that many people. So I said, yeah, but we had a massive Thanksgiving the next day and, <laughs> and we, we filled St. Peter's and all you Italians went back home. And, but anyway, my point is, here is another saint who was running up a high number of rosaries, and all these modern saints who have attracted so many people to our Lord went through the rosary, and I never forget, you know, I I didn't take it all that, I took it seriously, but I didn't think it would be, I wouldn't get so much bang for my buck. Uh, I was in a, now he's a, I'm I'm really name dropping today, you know, (laughs) but um, I knew another, I knew a blessed, blessed Alvaro, who was beatified two years ago, and I'm so old, I was studying for the priesthood when he was the prelate of Opus Dei, and we had a gathering with him, and uh, Americans are always challenged when it comes to learning another language, and uh, he didn't have much confidence, he was speaking in Spanish, and he didn't have much confidence in my ability to understand Spanish, and you know, he's going on and on and on and on, and, and he started to talk about the Blessed Mother. And uh, I know I'm over time. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> and he he said in Spanish, in Spanish, she's the shortcut to our Lord. She's the shortcut to everything. And he never happened before. It wasn't melodramatic, but he stopped the, the get. He stopped his talk and looked at me. And he said, "Someone, please translate for him <laughs> right now." So we were all packed on the floor, you know. And so, you know, some bilingual person, you know, he's working his way to me. And I'm turning beet red. And he's not saying anything. He's waiting for the guy to come over. And um, he, he said, yeah, you got it? And I go, yeah, see, sí. entiende, see. Sí. You sure? Yes. I understand English, you know. <laughs> but anyway, it was, I don't want to make more of it than it is. But here's a blessed who really says it's important that that, that young man know that she's the shortcut to evangelization. So the takeaway as we finish is to say the rosary, meditate on the life of Christ through the mysteries, so that Mary facilitate our growth in holiness and our sanctity and our charity so that we indeed 
take on this war of love and peace, drowning out evil with an abundance of good. Thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.